and welcome to AptCast, where a panel of Aptim experts discuss topics that matter to our clients in government, commercial, and industrial and energy markets. My name is Dr. Samantha Danchuk here at Aptim. I lead the Climate and Coastal Resilience Program. Today, we will be, dis we will be discussing future-proofing and anticipating how to manage and avoid future shocks and stresses. One critical way Aptim is developing future scenarios for its clients is by digging deeper into large data sets with innovative tools and layering relevant factors from within the different sectors of Aptim to really assess conditions with a wider, more inclusive lens. I'm going to let our panel of experts introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their roles here at Aptim. Zife? Uh, I'm Zife Dong. I'm a coastal modeler uh, in Aptim. So I do the numeric modeling and then toolbox development. Excellent, thank you for being here. Bridget? Hi, I'm Bridget Houston. I'm the Climate and Urban Resilience Specialist here at Aptum. I work a lot on community vulnerability assessments and how those assessments help to inform future adaptation strategies. Great, thank you for being here. I wanna start with an overview of future scenario analysis and how it relates to coastal res resilience. This is our opportunity to kind of, you know, set the stage for our audience of, of the types of tools we're gonna to be talking about. Um, so Zipe, what does that mean for you when you think about resilient shorelines and, and kind of the, the morphology of the coast? Um, I think the, the, the challenge for the, for the shoreline or the coastline or dune system is, the, is mostly the, uh, the big waves and the storm surge. So we're trying to uh, like maintain a healthy dune system. Uh, we're trying to like uh, protect the uh, beachfront infrastructures. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the risks we need to consider about. And what would you say? What, how do you define risk? What are we talking about when we say risk? Um, so it's uh, uh, for example. So when we have like the hurricanes and uh, like the storm surge and the waves. Um, so it's it's kind of like eroded the be the beach. So that's kind of the, the damage to the system. So once the dune system is got uh, eroded, so the beachfront infrastructures will be in danger. So Bridget, from your perspective, thinking about land use planning, thinking about you know regional issues, um, how would you define kind of what do you, what scenarios are you considering? What are the the risks that you're considering? Definitely. So I think. Um worldwide but also specifically here in south florida we're dealing a lot with hurricanes with flooding from storm surge from tidal flooding and so in order to best assess those risks and those vulnerabilities we need to not only try to anticipate what those levels and elevations will look like in the future in different communities but also how that will impact communities so it's kind of multifaceted we have to look at the exposure um, of the different places from the different hazards and then also the sensitivity of our local infrastructure, critical assets that we need to not only survive but function day to day, and then um, beyond that, the community themselves and how they can adapt and what will make them most vulnerable so that we can particularly work to safeguard them for the future. Excellent. Right. And so the community itself, we're thinking about more than just kind of the physical and the infrastructure factors and more even, you know, coming from our previous lines of work, we're thinking about funding and opportunities that you can capitalize on. Definitely. Um, very good. So what makes Aptum stand out as the right partner to help clients with deep learning analytics for resilience assessments and strategy development? So I want to congratulate Zife on his well-deserved award the, that he just received at the Joint Airborne LIDAR Bathymetric Technical Center for Expertise Conference, uh, the Sebastian Signorek 
Technical Achievement Award for his work in developing the Coastal Resilience Index, which really was a landmark product, um, you know, helping them use data that had never even been touched before and come up with a, a completely new method um, to look at resilience of dunes. So, Zifei, can you tell us a little bit about the lessons learned from that project and, you know, just how it's been so important for our client? Yes. Um so the well, it's it's been a long story. So it's been long collaboration between Aptim and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers since 2015. Um, so at the very beginning, so we trying to develop some um, uh, toolboxes for the Army Corps of Engineers uh, to, for to to do the analysis of volume change and the shorelines, and then gradually, so we we like we extend our study to focus on more like kind of providing a, a national. Um, map of the uh, coastal res resilience of our dune system. So, so if it's national, does that mean like resilience is the same everywhere? Uh, well, not really. So, talking about like uh, the, the the resilience. So, right now we focus on the our dune system uh, against the seasonal storms and the waves. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a health indicator of our dune system against like different return periods of the storms. So would you say like if we set a, a certain resilient standard for dunes, would it be the same in New York as it is in the Gulf of Mexico or in you know, California? Oh, that's a very good example. So talking about uh, like west coast of Florida, um, our, our dune system is normally the dune elevation is about six to eight feet high. Uh, but when you talk about uh, the Fire Island, for example, in New York, um, the dune height is about like 15 to 20 feet. Mm. So, but can I say that um, since I have a higher dune, uh, my resilience is higher than, uh, for, uh, New York uh, resilience is higher than the Florida? Um, but the answer is probably no. Uh, because when we're talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, the health of the dune system, it's not only about the dune system, it's about the damage or the potential risk to the system. So that's briefly say it's the storm surge levels and the waves. So um, in general, the New York, it has a bigger waves and the higher storm surge levels. So to compare um, from apples to apples, from location to location, uh, we kind of uh, use our resilience index to scale the storm surge and the waves into different return period. So when we compare from location to location, we compare the same return period of the storm surge and the waves. Excellent. So it sounds like you know local factors are really relevant to resilience analysis. And so Bridget, would, you know, what, do we really need customized tools for you know these kind of resilience applications? It seems to me that that makes the most sense, and that we've tried to do that for our clients. Definitely. I think that that is the most um, important thing to consider when moving forward and trying to safeguard and future-proof. You can know if you're vulnerable or not. You can know that your community is within an evacuation zone or not. But then what does that mean and how does that specifically apply or interact with the social tapestry of your area, the infrastructure of your area? So I think customizing and tailoring these assessments and these data sets for particular communities really helps to illuminate the needs and the strategies that need to be prioritized. You know, a great example of a customs tool that we've developed for our enterprise is uh, looking at affordable housing risk across the nation, uh, really to understand when they make an investment in a an affordable housing development in a certain property, or if they want to help the, uh, you know, the 
their partners figure out how they need to either invest in insurance or invest in adaptation or flood protection. Um, the tool actually lets them uh, look specifically at certain sites and includes all kinds of threats um, that would be affecting the nation, but it really is customized for the affordable housing user. So I, I love that you said that. It's really important to, to try to customize and make it relevant for them so that they can use that information immediately. You know, another project I wanted to bring up was uh, our work with Rebuild by Design, who is known for their just, you know, fantastic um, achievements in, in developing resilience projects for New York and bringing all the funding uh, for flood adaptation projects there uh, post Sandy. And uh, we are working with them on a 50 state report analyzing actually how much funding has been spent uh, for disasters over the past couple decades. Um, and then how much uh, the disaster itself actually cost. And on top of that, we brought in a new layer of data to look at kind of where funding should be invested in the future. Where will you get the highest return on inve investment based on the social benefits of the, um, of the area? And we're hoping to try and really help states um, you know, with all the infrastructure funding that's becoming available, and there's this incredible opportunity right now over the next five or six years, um, you know, we're not just putting money where they've been putting it traditionally, but really trying to figure out where they can help their communities, um, you know, advance their resilience. Um, so really looking forward to that report coming out by Rebuild by Design. So Bridget, would you, uh, you know, you've got experience in, in applying social vulnerability index and, and looking at those factors. Is it an easy thing to do? It's definitely not easy. Um, I think that it takes a lot of understanding of the local communities and kind of stressors and how those kind of interact with the different interdependent factors of a community, the social connection between different residents, the, the different mobility levels, the age, the education, all of those things really play a part into not only understanding resilience and kind of quantifying or qualifying, you know, where a resident levels out on how resilient or vulnerable they are compared to their neighbor, but also what information can they receive and how can they act as an individual, as a community, and as a larger picture um, to kind of mitigate and adapt so that they're not as vulnerable moving forward. And it's, it's an intricate process and I think that, you know, it's not just uh, one wave of data that we can use. We have to really look at the different data sources, the different um, types of data that we're utilizing and make sure that we're accounting for the many different dimensions and aspects of vulnerability. Thank you, Bridget. You know, it, it makes sense to me, right? Like Aptum really wants to help its clients develop these custom tools for these very complex problems right. that are not just about, you know, not one dimensional um, and starting to layer these data sets and really helping them get the custom tools they need to operationalize. And so Zifia, I know you have been doing this for, for several of our clients, but giving them the tools they need for efficient projects. Do you want to share a little bit more about the, uh, the work that you've been doing in Louisiana? Oh, yes. Um, so recently we developed a toolbox for the CPRA. Uh, it's basically open to the public. So um, the idea is, so in Louisiana, so there, there are a lot of uh, like beach erosions, like since the, the islands, the Bear Islands is, uh, is lower there. Mm -hmm. So they do a lot of beach nourishment projects. Um, so to, to do the beach nourishment project, they need the sand sources to place on the, on, on the island. Um, so therefore, the CPRA kind of maintain a, a database um, storing all information of sand sources around the uh, the co in the offshore or near in the near shore. Um, so w whenever there is a project location uh, located, 
Um, so we kind of the tool is kind of um, calculates how much volume is needed for the project, and then what's the nearest uh, sand sources available. So it's try to collect um, enough volume, and then tries to re uh, like make it uh, the most efficient way to get to get the sand sources. So I love the idea of having on-demand tools, right? Like they can immediately go, and if they're starting to think about project planning, see what's available and see see to how to approach it. You know, very similar to the work that you're doing with the core for regional sediment management. The idea that you just got a tool that you can reach out and, and use immediately and hopefully will help us get a better result out of the project. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Sure. Um, for the Amcor engineers, uh, the regional sediment management program, so what they do is they maintaining the, uh, the, for the core, they usually do a lot of uh, dredging for the navigational channels, either in the coastal area or in the inland waters, waterways. Um, so the RSM program kind of maintain a database about all those dredging events. So it, within these dredging events, there's a record like how much sand dredged from the system and where they place it. So the goal, the future goal of Amicor engineers is trying to um, make as much beneficial use as possible of those uh, dredged volumes. So for example, um, if you dredge this uh, sediment and then you place it in offshore, so you kind of permanently lost it. Uh, so th that's not the beneficial use. So we want to like either place the sand on the beach or like uh, place the sand in the re re restored um, um, ha habitats. So that's kind of a beneficial use. So the, the, the program is trying to track um, all the beneficial use about those volumes and trying to improve the work we've done. So we kind of uh, create a national map of uh, each project location, uh, like how much uh, the percentage um, of the uh, beneficial use uh, has been going on in this, at, at this location and, and how we can improve the beneficial use of those volumes. It's just fantastic to hear about the work that Aptum's doing in Louisiana and Florida and New York across the nation. Thinking about things on really, you know, this 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 high level scale is 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 exciting, right? We want to make sure that our our work is benefiting the local communities, our states, and beyond. Um, so I just want to like, what are the what's the importance of these projects? You know, just to help our listeners understand. Um, you know, we talked about the Coastal Resilience Index. We talked about, you know, building these beach nourishment projects. We talked about, you know, the, the, you know, kind of social vulnerability analysis that we've needed to do for our communities. Like, why, why is adaptation so important? Why is assessing resilience so important? What is, what is the benefit to our, our communities? Um, so, um, while well, the goal is trying to reduce uh, the risk for our community, um, by the way, like, increasing the resilience and reducing the vulnerability of our, our com community. So all the work we, we have done here is trying to um, provide an indicator or providing a monitoring system of our, um, of, of our community. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And Bridget, what would you say? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that data is just as useful as we make it. And I think that Aptum does a really great job of kind of acquiring all this data and making it into a tangible, really applicable and localized um, format and an easy user-friendly way. I think that a lot of these indexes that we've spoken about um, have also used data that hasn't been used before. And I think that, you know, the more data, the better, and we really can inform local decisions to better reduce our risk and plan for the future um, in small ways and in big ways. 
Very cool. All right, now for the fun part, the reason I was hoping we would get together today for the podcast, let's think ahead, right? So we have big plans for using these data sets, for using artificial intelligence and machine learning, for trying to really improve the accessibility and the kind of the output of all of these projects for our clients. Let's just kind of, you know, dive into this a little bit. Zifei, you and I have lots of conversations about this, but and you just came back for, from a really uh, fantastic technical conference. What's next? Um, so the next is, is really like applying the machine learning to the, to the toolboxes that are developed. So talking about machine learning in our like kind of uh, civil engineering or the um, environment engineering. So the, goal, the first goal is trying to avoid repetitive work. So there, there's a lot of work um, that's being done uh, repetitively, but that can be automated by the, uh, by the program. So this is the one goal. And the other goal is we're trying to provide a quick analysis mm -hmm. instead of running a bunch of models for days or um, uh, like uh, amounts. So for, just for example, like the, uh, for the National Hurricane Center for the each uh, hurricane season. So they kind of provide uh, when, they, when the hurricane comes to kind of provide a forecast about the hurricane um, route or hurricane map um, every three hours or six hours. Um, but I, actually those are just to the public. So actually the, the, in the public doesn't care how you get those routes, how you get those um, ideas. So you just want to know as soon as possible, like when the car, uh, when, when the where the hurricane is heading. So that's the most important. So using the machine learning or like uh, the computer uh, science, com uh, the, 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 the uh, parallel computing, we kind of like provide a, a quicker um, results instead of running for three hours, six hours, and then provide the results to the public. So it's kind of uh, provide a quick response tool. That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I think about the quick analysis that we want. That's why we're really getting involved in, in with our technical partners and, and trying to develop tools that can handle these large data sets, handle you know analysis of satellite images so that we can get that real time kind of output of what's happening after a disaster or an event um, or a change right in the shoreline um, and, and able to kind of ground truth all of these projections that we've been making with our, our planning and our, our you know our, our um, modeling. But so Bridget, I, I know you have an appreciation for ground truthing, right? And you know, kind of thinking about the social aspect of this, you know, what's what's really where's our next where's our next step as far as you know resilience outreach? Yeah, definitely. So I think that all the modeling and indexes that were just talked about really sets us up to be in a good opportunity to, you know, know where it's going to flood, know the critical infrastructures that need to be prioritized. But just as we kind of um, modify projections for different building elevations and different locations, we also need to take into account the different tapestries and compositions of the people within these areas. And so I think there's a really big opportunity to account for, you know, what local residents are experiencing, their perceptions, um, their accessibility to different sources and different um, resources, I think that um, a big thing moving forward would be to try to collect more localized data to kind of complement what we already have done here with Aptum, especially for vulnerability assessments. I think once we have all of the initial understanding of the, you know, 
action areas that need to be prioritized. I think going into those communities and whether it's collecting social media data or real-time pictures and reports of flooding within different neighborhoods, I think that really ties back to the ground truth thing. So we have this idea of where it's going to flood and what people are going to experience to what degree, but is that actually what's happening in real time? And if not, how can we better plan for the future and account for different resources and different needs and different capabilities of the people and the communities that's that are experiencing these themselves this is so exciting you know this is it right like we we know where we're going there's incredible opportunity with funding right now there's incredible opportunity for adaptation to occur and we have all of these ideas of how to really use the data sets better in order to help wise investments and and that's as good as it gets when you think about resilience planning long term um, i just want to thank you for being here today dr zifei dong and bridget houston I could talk to you all day. This is really my favorite thing to do. Um, Aptum is an industry leader with headquarters in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and more than 4,000 teammates worldwide. Aptum specializes in environmental services, resiliency, sustainability, and energy solutions, as well as technical and data solutions, data management, and program management, and critical infrastructure. Come back next month for more Aptum expertise. In the meantime, please subscribe to Aptcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.